0: Hello, everybody. I know that the weather is very hot and it's beautiful. And the last thing that people probably want to think about is all the nitty gritty ins and outs of classroom management as you sit on the beach and sip your adult beverages um, and fly in from destinations far and wide. I know that I took some little vacations this summer but one thing I guess is really important is that understanding how to create a positive inclusive and instructive culture in the classroom that sort of never gets old and it's something that we need to think about before we start decorating our classroom and Purchasing all our supplies from our piggy bank and sitting down for endless meetings on the first week. So the first thing I want to recommend is if you are teaching students with disabilities or you will have students with disabilities in your classroom to make some time and take some time to look through those IEPs. Try to also keep an open mind about the students that you're going to receive. Looking through an IEP doesn't mean that we should form a pre-made image of the students that we're getting in the classroom. It is informational, and it's really helpful information. We can also learn a lot from an IEP package that isn't so good as well things that are missing, things that are shabby, they're not stapled together. We can learn that moving forward when we have the student in our program, it's important to have really good team meetings and keep good records. But that aside, looking through the IEPs, it's important to think about what classifications mean and why classifications are different from labeling students. Labeling students is giving students a name with, and allowing a preconceived notion or a bias to take place. Now, everybody has biases. We're all, uh, most people have hidden biases. But it's something as a teacher or a school administrator we need to face. For example, I'll give you a real life example. When I used to receive the IEP records over the summer, I was a special education teacher and administrator. I used to go through the records and I used to sit down with my IEP coordinator and maybe some paraprofessionals who were around in the summer and getting paid to help out. And the first thing that when people would see a student with a classification of emotional disturbance or emotional behavior disorders, or anything around that word, emotional, there would be a reaction. And you could only guess what that reaction was. Oh, this is going to be trouble. And mm, we don't have that much on this student or oh, what's coming down the pike. And right away, people were talking about this and bringing negative energy. And it, it only serves to get into a vicious cycle where we are coming up with, we're associating a name to a behavior and we don't even know the student yet. So these things are something to be aware of, to be cognizant of, and to not only look at our own cultural competency, but the cultural competency of those around us, not just thinking about race and class and ethnicity, but thinking about ability as well. Now, if you're a general education teacher and you can possibly go to your special ed coordinator or the special ed office or the office where the records are housed, it's also a good idea to learn a little about those records and how to access them. I worked in a system where we were supposed to give the, the teachers a copy, uh, all teachers, whether they were general ed or whether they had a special education license, they were supposed to get a copy of the IEPs, on. and we used a flash drive. This was back before they were electronic IEPs, and teachers would often say to me, okay, great, so I know that almost everybody in my class has extended time, or Everybody in my class has special location or separate location. What am I supposed to do with that? So general education teachers, when you visit that special education office or you receive that information, it is important to ask that question. What do I do with that information? How does my school take care of situations where students need that extra time? Is there a testing center? Or do I just give everybody extra time? Or do I design the tests so that students can do it in increments and other students are working on projects while others are testing? And does that mean unlimited testing? Does the IEP say unlimited testing? So all of that is important. These are important questions and to ask your special education coordinator ahead of time and get to know the the, the basic uh phrases that you might see on an IEP, the basic modifications, what a goal is, whether the goal really is uh, an appropriate goal for the student, because general ed teachers will be contributing to the annual reviews and the other IEP reviews, the the triennials, and possibly even the reevaluation. So it's good to get that hands-on experience with the materials and go to the office and talk to the people rather than just looking through the flash drive and saying, you know, this is overwhelming. You know, you may also have a co-teacher in the class, but that doesn't mean that uh, the general education teacher shouldn't look at those records. There's a lot in those records, there's psychological testing, there's academic testing that can reveal a lot about what the specific skill deficits are and what the specific strengths are. And speaking of strengths, we should always look for those strengths and try to find out more about the student that we can build upon in the classroom, especially those students who have, you know, red flags or alerts. They're coming in from middle school. They're coming in from feeder schools. They're coming in from other states. We should look for the assets and try to find out. More about how we can promote good teaching through student interests, through students' backgrounds and cultures, their perspectives, and try to understand them. As a famous person, Stephen Covey, once said, seek to understand rather than to be understood. That sounds a little bit, yes, like a cliche, but we need to understand exactly what the students. Perspective is, and the only way to understand that is to get the students talking and learn more about them. But since they may not be there, we have to start looking at the records and seeing what we can pick up. So, speaking of cultural competency, planning for the year, we need to think about not only our own cultural competency, but the cultural competencies of our students. We need to realize that students may need to be educated on how to be culturally competent with each other and how to speak to one another and how to ask the right questions of one another that are not intrusive or hurtful, Uh, how to listen to each other and not only listen, but to learn about different cultures, to learn about different interests, values, and to find shared values in the classroom. Okay and to learn about other aspects of each other. This is all centered around building community. And if you have students with disabilities in your classroom, whether it's a self-contained class, an integrated co-teaching class, whether it's a resource room, whether it's a general education class, and the students have yet to be evaluated or they're evaluated for only related services, we need to work a little bit harder to pull those things out because not all students are willing to come out and trust teachers right away. This goes for all students, not just students with disabilities. And I want to look at my own assumptions because I'm assuming it's just students with disabilities. Many students have, they don't want to open up. And especially when they get near that age, that too cool for school age. And that's something we want to like promote in the classroom, getting students to talk to each each other, whether it's via discussion or it's via a restorative circle, whether it's through an icebreaker, getting started in the classroom, getting to know one another, having regular check-ins is very important. So working on the student's cultural competency, competencies doesn't always mean just having a food festival or coloring each other's Flags, country of origin, that's all important to the learning process. But learning about where we are culturally competent and where we need to build on our cultural competence and celebrate our cultures of each other and understand each other's perspectives and be able to agree to disagree. These are all important aspects of setting up the school year for success, setting up the classroom for success. Because the thing that throws the monkey wrench into the classroom is either conflicts with the teacher, refusal to do the work, or conflicts between students or conflicts between students and the school itself. For example, if the student doesn't um, cleave to the rules of the school or the student feels like they should be in another school or another class, that's a conflict. So we want to Head off those conflicts as much as possible by teaching students to be more culturally competent, teaching students to advocate for themselves. This is all part of classroom management that is more instructional, but I'm talking about it now because I'm setting up my graduate classes for the year and I'm thinking about how I can build community, set healthy limits, get students talking to each other, helping each other. You are not the only. Link in the chain, you know, get another link. That's what I want to teach the students. You are not the only link. Find another link. We are all links. We link to one another to make a community in the classroom. But there's got to be a lot of groundwork done at the beginning. I know in the beginning, there's a rush to get things done, get things up, get the rules out, get papers out. You know, there are certain forms that students need to fill out. And those hot dog days of summer, it's really hard to think ahead of time of all the possible pitfalls, or it's hard to think ahead of time ways to build up the strengths of our students. So one of the things we want to also start thinking about is how we can invite families into the picture. So families are an important part of the equation. We want to always call parents before there's a problem. We want to create a relationship with those parents, not just send home backpacking information. That's great too. Needed, well needed, well deserved. But we need to call those parents. At least make a couple of calls a day hey, James did really well this week. I'm really seeing, you know, that he's doing well in the environment and I'm glad to have him in the class. Bing, two, two second call, that's it. You know, uh, some schools use texting. I, That's a little, you know, far ahead or they use an app or something like that. Any way that you can communicate positively to the parents and set up a situation where you're inviting them to be a part of Culture. So that could be a whole other podcast, but I just want to say that as a groundwork uh, process, that groundworking process that we need to start at the beginning of the year, thinking about how we can invite the parents into the environment, not just in a negative way to invite them when a student is in trouble, but in a positive way. Think of their assets, what they could bring to the community, whether it's volunteering to speak, whether it's coming. into a Saturday festival and contributing there, whether it's contributing an idea, you know, a good idea that the class can use, whether it's donating something, assuming your school, you know, has a procedure where they accept donations, whether it's just being present and being part of the community. All of that is really, really important. So thinking about how we can value the students, greet the students, and set up the classroom for a positive and inclusive teaching throughout the year. And this is the foundation for discipline. It's not just about disciplining students after the fact or pre- preventing it with rules and posters and all that. It's about setting up a tone of inclusiveness and teaching people when they make a mistake, teaching each other, admitting when you make a mistake. I've made plenty of mistakes with my students. Plenty of mistakes with myself, making assumptions, not seeing the best in people all the time. It only works if we admit you know, that we've made a mistake and everybody makes them. So I'm excited to start my own school year and transition from that more restful state. Well, for me, I worked summer school online and did some coordination, but it still is a more, it's a different, it's a transition into that fall time when school starts to get more serious. And to do that, we need a healthy and strong community. Thank you very much for listening. Have a good start to the school year. Some of you have already started. If you're in the South or in private schools, have a great and productive school year and take time for you. So speaking of cultural competency, I began to speak a little bit about PBIS in the last couple of podcasts. Uh, and I sort of left it hanging because PBIS is a very big topic. So PBIS relates to the last segment because PBIS has an element of making the environment, the school environment, the classroom more positive, inclusive, and instructive. And that's what uh, PBIS is meant to do in part. It's also to increase the behavioral health of a school and to create a system up to teach behavioral expectations, collect data on behavior, student behavior, set up healthy routines, and to reward students for good behavior. So we all think of PBIS in different ways. A lot of people think of PBIS as giving... Bonus points are using class dojo or rewarding students or having positive assemblies, but PBIS is a total school system where the whole school looks to become more positive. And becoming more positive means becoming more inclusive, setting up students for success. Now I wrote an article, a guest blog post a while ago, and I just want to share it briefly. And I mention it in my description of the podcast because if you want to check out really good articles, this is a site to look at. And this is called Think Inclusive US and it's hosted by mastermind and website developer and author and editor Tom Villegas. And my article is in this us and the article is called, Where the Rubber Meets the Road, PBIS and Culturally Responsive Discipline. So if you're interested in expanding the idea that PBIS is a system, but it's a system that also must address the cult co- cultural competencies of the staff and the students and the the relationships between staff and students and looking at individual students and being more culturally responsive to those students, my article begins to address that. So I'm just suggesting that you might want to take a look at that article. There are also some really good articles on that site. Uh, And this is, um, this, uh, author, this editor, this website developer, this mastermind. He is an advocate for students with disabilities and to advocate for them to be in inclusive settings. And it goes beyond students, it goes into uh, advocating for uh, persons with uh, disabilities, lifting the labels, uh, and really just making sure that everybody is equal and there are equitable and fair chances for people and, uh, changing the mindset for teachers and others who are looking at his great work. He's got some really good guests posting. He's got some podcasts on there. So I recommend that site. Thank you for listening.